0: this match. If it's a war, you can say it every once. I thought I was a cult. I didn't know what was going on. The Fed
1: did. I think New York did.
0: One of your executive vice presidents loves that company.
1: It's the first ever finishing move that's exclusive to a promotion. This is Advantage. What is up, everyone? As we record this, it is 9.49 p.m. on Sunday, July 19th, of the year of Our Lord 2020. And, and Our Lord being Glenn Kane Jacobs. I say Our Lord is coronavirus, because that's what's been ruling the roost around here. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, but anyway, Extreme Rules just wrapped up, and... Boy, did it. The boy, did it. We will talk about it in depth, but I'm very confused about this show. Yeah, we, we just saw uh, a drowning loss of an eye um vomit vomit that's right out of vince's head by the way oh yeah you know he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna puke
0: uh what else happened wacky we saw some identity oh, the, theft
1: yes i don't even i guess it's identity theft i, I don't In know a, it was it was theft of some kind and new champions and put maybe new champions and,
0: and also possibly a new champion
1: and a possible... Another new champion, because the champion might be dead. I forgot about the other new champion, and that's the new champion... Possible new champion I was talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, we'll get into all that. There's we'll... three
0: matches. We don't know who the fucking title, the winners are. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's... This is ridiculous. Um, but we'll Fuck get... you, Bryson DeChambeau. As I see
1: you on my screen, I'm sorry. We'll get into all that later. Um, we will talk Slammiversary. We will talk the Countdown to Fucktown podcast that the good brothers put out documenting their wwe run and what led to their departures um we'll talk the we'll talk about the war report anniversary. it's gonna be a good show so strap in hang on and let's fucking go to the moon let's have some fun so on midnight of saturday the 18th the good brothers went live with their countdown to fuck town podcast uh talking about everything that happened in their wwe run Um, So, just a few talking points. Um, I'll kind of go through, I'll kind of summarize everything, then we'll get both of our takes on it. So, with their initial signing to WWE in February 2016, um, they decided that they wanted to be close to their families and jump somewhere to the American television scene. And they wanted to sign into TNA, but then the three of them, being AJ, Anderson, and Gallows, all were shown interest from WWE. And they had a group vote on if they'd go to WWE. Um, Anderson and AJ voted yes Luke Gallows voted no So they still won 2-1 to one, So they all ended up signing with WWE Here's what Carl Anderson had to say about their WWE run And I quote I would say overall the WWE run was fun, right? We had a great time, we built our names as high as we possibly could have done But around October 2016 Gallows and I were driving after I put a pumpkin on my head and went through a table I looked at Gallows as we were driving to a brother's house before we had to fly overseas And I said, what the fuck just happened? What did we just do? I knew then that when our contracts expired in September of 2019, we had to get out of there. Uh, Gallows kind of had a uh, different mentality. He said, it's a completely different thing. It happens to a lot of talent that gets over, you know, outside of WWE and then comes to WWE as we have seen and history repeats itself. It absolutely repeated itself with us. There were some highs during that run, but there were some real lows and some real fucking moments where we were just sitting there going like, what the fuck have we done? Yeah, it's nice to make this money. It's nice to be on WWE TV for the exposure. But what are we doing? So that's kind of how they both summarized their uh, WWE run. Um, So when they were talking about how the New Deals came about last July, they were overseas in Japan, teaming with Triple H in a six-man, funnily enough, because WWE was exploiting that they were over in Japan and teaming them with Triple H. When uh, they verbally agreed to... Uh, A great deal that Rocky Romero offered them in New Japan As well as with AEW for the Young Bucks And the original plan was for the first episode of Dynamite To be built completely around them Um, They were going to close the show by attacking the Young Bucks And then, not on this podcast, but on Jericho's podcast He then revealed that they were going to be in the Inner Circle And basically what you saw happen the first night on Dynamite with the Inner Circle The Good Brothers were supposed to be a part of that and there was some heat with Cody and the Bucks and everyone in AEW management because they verbally uh, agreed to a deal. They told them for six months that they were coming, they were coming, they were coming, they were coming. And then one day out of nowhere, they just said, hey, we already signed with WWE, we're not coming. So there was some heat there. Um, I know them and the Bucks have reconciled, but they said that certain people in AEW management still hold a grudge. They didn't drop any names, but they implied it was a certain runnels. Um, but they never dropped any names, which so. I
0: don't understand. What? He's probably the only one in that company that can understand. I the, mean, they, the, the business from that side.
1: They did fuck him, though.
0: They did. They did. I'm not not gonna lie, but I'm assuming Dusty was making more money in fucking Polka dots than he was cutting hard times. You know, like I I can understand. I I thought Cody would understand that decision more than anybody else.
1: I mean, we don't know for sure that no, it's we Cody, don't. Even I can see
0: Tony Khan not understanding though. I Is think, that fair? Yeah.
1: I can see Tony Khan feeling very, very betrayed. So when talking about um, how their WWE contracts came about, they said that this this all transpired while they were in Japan. Like, everything went down in Japan. I guess somehow Triple H caught wind that they were on the way out. And he sat them down and offered them five-year deals worth three-quarter of a million dollars per year. $750,000. 750, was not it? And... They both looked at each other and said, we have families to feed, five-year deal, this could be the last contract we ever have to sign in wrestling, let's just suck it up for five years and let's just do it, and they re-signed, they formed the OC, and they had a decent run, and then, um, when it came to the release, I think this was the most juicy part of the podcast everyone was waiting, because AJ had teased this part on his live stream, uh... So, basically, they said Vince McMahon sent out a mass group text to the WhatsApp, which is baffling that Vince McMahon uses the WhatsApp. um,
0: No, it isn't. I I could see him, like, learning technology in 2008 and just sticking with that technology, thinking it's a new thing. Fair enough.
1: Fair enough. Um, So, he sent out a text about the cuts. And supposedly, if you believe AJ is and Anderson, their side of the story was that... um, Heyman stooged off to Vince how much they were making and that's what got them on the chopping block and allegedly released. Um, whether you believe that or not, I don't know.
0: It wouldn't surprise me. It's not exactly against Heyman's reputation.
1: Yeah. Um, so that's that's the whole story on why there's heat and that's why AJ didn't move the SmackDown. The stories about him not getting along with Heyman were true and it was because of that whole ordeal. And then they were talking about how the impact contracts came along. They offered them two-year deals that were really good money and still allowed them the freedom to work in Japan, which is what they really said they want to do all along and what they miss. And so I don't think there's anything signed with New Japan yet just because of the pandemic, but it's pretty much a done deal. Yeah, I mean, that if they, they
0: want to work there, there's no reason why Japan shouldn't want
1: to work there. Yeah. And uh, also another interesting tidbit is uh, I, t- I told you about the AEW plans, but they also revealed what their New Japan plans would have been. Uh, Carl Anderson was supposed to beat John Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom for the U.S. title, which I'm kind of really bummed we didn't get because Carl Anderson is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world. He's still the only American ever to get to the finals of a G1. Uh, dude's so underrated as a wrestler. I wish we got to see more of Carl Anderson as a singles. Um, maybe when he eventually does get hooked back up with Japan, we'll get to see him in some more G1s, which I'd really look forward to. Uh... And they said there was no offer from AEW this time around. So I don't know if it's just because of the pandemic or those certain member of management still have heat with them. But they said there was no offer with AEW this time because they regretted they regret not going to AEW the first time. And they would have signed with them this time if they had the opportunity to. But no offer ever came. And so now they're locked down to Impact Wrestling for the next two years. They'll be working in Japan as soon as they're allowed to, allowed to with uh, travel restrictions and whatnot. And there wasn't bitterness towards wwe but you could tell that gallows especially never wanted to be there i mean he had his experience the first run as festus and And the second run and luke well festus luke gallows all that's all the same run um so he kind of had the experience there he kind of knew the lay of the land and
0: did triple h had any idea they got they were getting cut
1: i don't think so no way right i don't think so because i think if triple h worked that hard to keep them Oh, and another thing that pissed a lot of people off is what Triple H said to kind of get them to stay is you don't know if AEW will be there in five years. WWE will always be yeah, here. Yeah,
0: why did people get pissed? It's a very accurate statement. At the time it was, before Dynamite kicked off, it's a very accurate statement.
1: I don't, See, with a billionaire owner, it's kind of one of those things where it would have survived as long as he wanted it to survive. That's like, fair, but it's also like just negotiating tactics. It is, and like... Like, if you if I want you to wrestle for me, I'm not going to say how
0: great it is over there. No, like, I, I what the get fuck? it. the fuck? But... I mean, that's, I think that's a very honest question. I don't think anybody should be getting upset about that. I mean, you you didn't know if it was going to work. I still, we still don't know if it's going to work. We're not even a year in yet.
1: Well, we know they're safe for like the next five years yeah. of their TV deal. So,
0: yeah, but they didn't have one at the time.
1: Well, they had one. It wasn't as good as the one they have now, but they had one. No, I just I think this was very, July. The, I think it's a very fair. But I think that's a very oh, oh no, like from negotiating table. Of but, course, you are going to want to. I, I don't understand. The I don't
0: understand that. It's just another case of the. Grabbing at WWE straws. Ah, uh,
1: they also touched on the Saudi situation. They, they, they do believe that they were, they were there, as retaliation for Vince cutting the feed to the to the Saudi network that was uh, showing the show. But once they saw that Kane Velasquez and Randy Orton was with them, they never felt like they were in any, they were in any real danger. But they definitely felt it was a quote unquote hostage situation.
0: Something was going on.
1: Yeah and uh Gallo said somebody that he knows that works in in production that he doesn't believe would spout him bullshit said that Vince was heard telling them to cut the feed to the to the Saudi network so that's pretty much the highlights of the good brothers podcast any any thoughts would, would you make of the whole thing i mean they got a lot out
0: they got a lot out but i'm excited to see what happens for them i think those guys are uberly talented especially machine gun uh gallo's kind of the back nine of his career but so it's always anderson uh, i like to see what they can do i mean they have a lot they have a lot they can do in japan they're gods in japan uh and and who knows maybe Cody's just making the sweat a little bit
1: do you think we will see them have a run in AEW eventually yes, yes.
0: i might not might not be anytime soon because i don't know what the details of the tna deal are Two-year deal and what are they they're both around like 35 i think i want to say they're both 35 Somewhere around there, they're both in that age thirty-five. Well, years. we
1: know that if they wrote out the WWE contract, they said it was the last contract they were ever going to sign, but also that money would would have kept them financially secure. And Impact supposedly gave them a good deal, but I don't think they gave them anywhere near three quarters of a million dollars no. per year. So, I, I do think they will wind up in AEW after these two after these two years. Gallows um, is thirty-six.
0: Sanderson is forty. Maybe not. So it would have been... I
1: think it all hinges on they want to be able to work Japan. And we know that AEW has done it with some guys like Jericho and Moxley. But those Japan contracts were signed before the AEW contracts were signed. So I think they would allow them to work Japan just because they'd want them. But also, and God knows what the tag division will look like in two years. But the AEW tag division is already kind of really stacked. Like there's not really a place for them. Let's
0: not say stacked. Let's say kind of alluded.
1: No, it's It's stacked. It's... They have tons of depth. They do? They have probably the most depth at any tag team division. Unless WWE combined all of their shows into one, then it would probably be them. But as it stands right now, Dynamite has the deepest tag division by a country mile. And in two years, where will Gallows and Anderson fit in there? You know what I mean? I mean, Um, the Bucks are just as old. But I mean, they're they're kind of executives. So they have a run as long as they want to have a run. That's true. (laughs) That's Um, true. They're
0: executive vice presidents.
1: Yeah. So... I didn't think they came off bitter towards WWE at all. Even Gallows. like Gallows, Gallows even said he had some fun, but overall, he wishes he never went back. Um, and their run wasn't really much to write home about. They did win the tag titles twice. They defended them at WrestleMania. They were part of the match where the Hardys came back. But.
0: And you know, they had a great debut, and they just there were some high spots. But there's also some their last ever Dr. Testy spots.
1: Their the last ever appearance in WWE will always be the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah, not that's many people true. could say that. Yep, only Austin. Well, that wasn't the main event. Oh, you're right. And he's made appearances since then. Yep, never mind. Fuck off. Because I don't, I don't know if we will ever see Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows on WWE TV ever again. No, I don't think we will.
0: Uh, if we do, things will get weird. But never say never.
1: Oh yeah, maybe in two years they offer him a quarter of a million dollars or three quarters of a million dollars again. Who the hell knows? Um, that one you gotta take. That one you're stupid if you don't. Yeah. Uh, but it sucks the way it all turned out. Uh, glad to see they bounce back on their feet, though. And we're going to segue right into the company that they now work with. Anniversary 2020 took place, also July 18th, at Skyway Studios in Nashville. Um, I know you didn't get a chance to watch the show, but I did. So. I've seen highlights. Uh, kind of run down everything and what we thought about it so the opener the rascals had an open challenge it was answered by the motor city machine guns chris sabin and alex shelley really fun match uh the machine guns still got it alex shelley is like aging in reverse he's i saw i saw him wrestle matt taven last year for the ring of honor title in toronto the dude is like a fine wine he just gets better with age chris sabin he's had knee problems he's not the same chris sabin in 2006 or 2007 but he's still more than, more than able to hold his own in a tag team situation. Nice. Yep. You're I mean, probably the only person on earth that got yep. that reference. Yep, yep, yep. But this match was awesome. I'd recommend checking it out. The Rascals, of course, are a great tag team. And, yeah, fun opener. So the second match. Big Um wins. See, the, fa- the thing is, you're not even really serious. You're just trying to be funny. No, I like those guys. From what I've seen, I like those guys a lot. So the second match was uh, Moose taking on Tommy Dreamer for the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. That's a real sentence. In an old-school rules match, and full disclosure, I haven't watched, like, and I think the last Impact I watched, I watched a match where Tessa won the title. I think that's the last thing I watched, and that was, like, February, January, somewhere around there. So I haven't watched, like, any Impact since then. And when I heard old-school rules, I'm like, are moose and Tommy Dreamer gonna have like an amateur wrestling match because that's weird, but no, it's just their word for extreme rules um weapon spots. they did a thumbtack spot, but it's kind of like I don't know like I just think I don't mean to call Tommy Dreamer stupid, but I think just doing a thumbtack spot when there's no people there is stupid, yep, like there's no one there. you're not gonna get a pop, yep, 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 um, but eventually moose won with his spear. Moose is a hell of an athlete. It's too bad his uh, personal problems stopped him from signing with WWE. Um, but he's doing well for himself in Impact. Uh, so he got the win. Up next, a gauntlet for the gold match to determine the number one contender for the Impact Knockouts Championship. How do I try to be polite? This is not good. I was awful. Um, from what I heard, it was awful. Impact's Knockouts division the top half of it i would put up there with any women's division in the world including nxt up top they have a ton of talent uh taya uh kylie ray diana perrazzo jordan grace um rosemary like the top half of that division is very very good havoc um but then the bottom half of that division is just bad and they don't have the depth to have an 11 woman gauntlet match um kylie ray won by last eliminating eliminating taya valkyrie Johnny Bravo ran in two separate times, cross-dressing. It just—it wasn't good. No, there's not, no way we talk about it. So up next, uh, a fan invades the ringside area. Uh, he grabs a microphone, and this fan turns out to be Heath. Oh, okay. There's, they say can't call me Slater. Well, he can't. He can't call him Slater. No. Um, Heath, I'm glad he landed on his feet. I think him and Rhino are gonna be fun and impact. But I hate the way they debuted him, especially after that awesome promo we cut on Raw. They handed Raw handed Impact like Heath on a silver. They did platter. him a favor. Yes, they did
0: him a favor. He, he came off beautifully in that Raw promo.
1: But Heath came out here, um, uh, saying that he wanted to answer the open challenge. Some geek comes out. He tells him, hey, idiot, we're on Central Time. It's 9 o'clock, not 8 o'clock. The open challenge already happened. Machine Guns accepted it. And so Heath beat up the geek. There were audio issues. You could barely hear what Heath Slater was saying. Production issues plagued the show. I enjoyed the hell out of the show, but the production issues plagued the show. Um, yeah, and then Heath reunited with Rhino backstage. But Scott Demora said this is a closed set, no guests allowed, and kicked him out. <laughs> That's awesome! Great debut for Heath.
0: Yep.
1: Up next, what was legitimately awesome: a singles match for the X Division Championship. Willie Mack defending against Chris Bay. I heard a lot. I heard a lot about Chris Bay from our Chris, Chris Panero. Um, this is one of the first times I've seen. I saw him job on WWE TV a few times, but obviously. You're not going to see what a guy could do being enhancement talent on WWE TV, but this is the first time I, I saw him uh, like in an actual match. Dude is very good. He's only 24, uh, born in 96, same year as me. Um, I, lo- I like his whole character. The ultimate finesser thing is nice. Uh, he defeated Willie Mack, new X-Division champion. Sky's the limit for that kid. Uh, it was a good match up next the impact tag titles on the line the north ethan page and josh alexander defend against the unique team of ken shamrock and sammy callahan jesus um shamrock and callahan became a team when uh ken shamrock and callahan were feuding and uh callahan refused to tap out to the ankle lock instead passing out which i gained ken shamrock's respect and then this tag match so Shamrock is 56 years old. It's like my dad out there. He could He could hold his own for some spots, but other spots weren't good. Also,
0: he wasn't never really that good in the first place. The, the
1: match plotted on when he was in. When Cal whenever Callahan was in, the match was awesome. The North are one of the best tag teams in the world. They're so fucking good. Um So eventually the North won. They retained the titles. Shamrock did a stupid spot where like he was going to do a dive. It moved out of the way, like, before he even dove. He dove anyway because he was just so slow, he couldn't... Uh, it was just bad. It was kind of sad to watch, but I give him credit for trying. You know, yeah. he's 56 years old. Um, but the North Retain, they proclaim themselves the greatest tag team in Impact Wrestling history. Everybody thought that this is where the Good Brothers would come out, but instead, the Motor City Machine Guns came back out and said, well, if you think you're the best tag team in Impact Wrestling history, you've got to go through us, and then... Tuesday, release day for this podcast, they will be facing the North in a tag title match. So that'll be really What fun. time are they on? I believe 8 to 10 on Access TV. I could be wrong. I know it's on Access. I'm not I think it's 8 to 10. I think it's wrong. 8 to 10, yeah. So that's gonna be a barn burner of a match. I'm gonna have to tune in for that. Up next, my favorite match of the night. This match ruled. Deanna Perazzo challenged Jordan Grace for the knockouts championship. Um, there were some jabs at WWE on commentary during Diana's entrance. Uh, Josh Matthews said that Deanna thought she found her forever home, but she got there and it turns out it wasn't what she thought it was. And Don Callis followed it up by saying, we all did our time in the Stanford Supermax, including you and me. So, little Jabs at WWE there. Fuck, Fuck you, Cyrus. Why?
0: I don't know, what is like? Does he really have to be
1: talking? Is, is he the one that really should be talking? I mean, he's the one that was smart enough to sign her, so he should be talking. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, actually, she's working without a contract, so. Yeah, no, I uh, Spoiler, she's their fucking champion. Yeah. I hope um, she doesn't sign. This she's match ruled. This match ruled. Um, Ferrazzo got the win with a double arm bar, and uh, Jordan Grace verbally submitted because she couldn't tap because both her arms were being barred. And, yeah, that match ruled. So, up next, main event time. It was supposed to be a fatal four-way elimination tag team match, or elimination match for the Impact World title. And the fourth man was a mystery man. And it was heavily implied that the mystery man would be one of the recent WWE releases. But they swerved a swerve. The mystery man was Rich Swan returning from injury. But then... Can you handle this? Well, that's not a song anymore. That was a great song. Um, but then... The world-class maniac Eric Young came out, who was, in fact, one of the recent WWE releases, and said, I won my Impact World title at Slammiversary, so I deserve to be in this match. This is now a fatal five-way elimination match. This match ruled Ace Austin is a future star. Um, Trey's great. Rich Swann and Eric Young were having great back and forths. Um, Eric Young, forever, forever 28 years old. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's a shame that the sanity thing never caught on in the main roster, because I thought it had potential. Um, His main roster WWE run is pretty forgettable. Not good. I, f- I think forgettable is even too nice of a word. Yeah. But um, it came down to Eddie Edwards and Ace Austin. And Eddie Edwards eventually got the win. And then uh, Madman Fulton and Ace Austin attacked Eddie Edwards after the match. The Good Brothers come out. They act like they're going to align with Madman Fulton and Ace Austin. But instead, they take them out uh anderson hits a gun stun uh then they hit the magic killer and the pay-per-view fades to black but it doesn't three eyes three like lines appear on the screen and we cut to ec3 did they say integrity intelligence and no they're just what's the third one intensity intensity no uh then ec3 appeared he threw a whiskey glass at a wall and we went off the air it's been 1400 days since i've been on this company see this logo um have I thought it was a great show I mean, you know, I'm gonna check it out you know, I, I,
0: I keep wanting to give them the chance But I, 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 always, I always have bad TNA luck wherever, wherever I try,
1: try to watch it It's god awful And that's still a problem there, I'm assuming Well, confirmed for tonight If you're interested in checking it out EC3 will be in the building um, We have the Guns versus the North As I mentioned before I will tune in just for that And Rhino promises to get Heath in the building so that is what you have to look forward to. Um, Impact obviously pulled out the checkbooks. They brought in the Guns, Eric Young, EC3, and the Good Brothers. Uh, so let's see. They're trying to make moves. Uh, I enjoyed the show, except for the production issues and the women's gauntlet match. Everything else was a solid show. I thought it was good. Um, yeah, I'd recommend checking it out if you could find it. I will. So coming up next, we will talk about AEW and NXT. From this past Wednesday. So the war report for Dynamite and NXT from July 15th, 2020. We will start with Fight for the Fallen. The opener, Cody defending the TNT Championship against Sunny Kiss. Sonny Kiss comes out with the Jaguars cheerleaders. Uh, Cody comes out with Arn. <laughs> And his Waffle House menu. Don't know who I don't know who uh, who's luckier in that account. <laughs> I think I give Sonny the edge slightly. I'd rather come out with the Jaguars cheerleaders than Arn. I miss the lifting, Cody. I miss. I, know.
0: I miss Arn on the same platform. I as I miss Cody. seeing
1: Arn rise.
0: I miss Arn being very, be being very very close to Cody. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so the match starts. Uh, Cody immediately uh, hits kiss with a kick, but two count. And they immediately cut to Toby totally Blanchard watching on from the stands. Um, so they have to be doing it, right? Unless it's always just a swerve. It's the worst swerve ever, if it is. Um, Arn Anderson gives Cody some motivation, tells him to keep Sonny more serious. And then Cody took his advice, immediately applies a full Nelson. Tries to get Sonny to tap, but Sonny fights back. Um, he, hits, he hits a cartwheel axe kick that Excalibur named Axes and O's. Yeah, because that's cool. Uh, he goes for a split leg drop, but Cody moves out of the way. Um, Cody goes for a crossroads, but Kiss counters and delivers his own crossroads for a near fall. Um, he immediately falls up with a 450 splash. Once again, only good for a two count. They fight onto the ramp where Cody delivers an Alabama slam onto the ramp. That looked fucking brutal.
0: Yeah, I don't know, wh- I don't know why they would
1: do that. That looked like it could hurt so bad. Um, but Kiss was too close to the bottom rope when Cody rolled him back in, so that got the rope break. Cody hit a vertebraker, which also was unexpected. Um, he's getting very frustrated at this point. Superplex still doesn't keep Kiss down. Um, Jim Ross was pushing the narrative that Cody Rhodes is off of his game all night, and uh, he was even pointing out that his pinfalls were sloppy. Uh, it, Son- it did
0: no justice. JR was doing full JR when he was saying that.
1: Sonny Kiss went for a roll-up, but Cody counters into a crossface. And he gets pissed off at Aubrey when uh, Kiss gets to the ropes and forces him to break the hold. The top turnbuckle gets exposed, but uh, Kiss moves out of the way and Cody goes face first into it. Another near fall. Kiss fires some strikes, but Cody hits the crossroads out of nowhere for the pinfall victory. I like this match. It was sloppy in spots, but overall, was... I thought it was a fun match. A good showing for Kiss. He, uh,
0: Kiss looked very good. Yeah. Uh, I think he's far better than he's been given on that show. I mean, I haven't watched any of his Dark matches. I'm not going to lie. I've watched two episodes of Dark since it started.
1: I haven't watched any of it in the quarantine era because it's just been squash matches. Yeah. But I used to watch Dark, but I haven't watched it pretty much since the quarantine era. But, yeah, Sonny looked great. Good for him. So they continue the slow burn with a a teasing Cody turning heel. We'll see where it goes. Up next, the match I was most intrigued about coming into the night, FTR taking on the Lucha Brothers. The Lucha Brothers come out in the FTR truck. Uh, that was being driven by the butcher. And the blade was also there. Uh. <laughs> the blade doesn't have his license. So the Lucha Bros start off getting, uh, in control. Uh, going at a million miles an hour, catching FTR back, uh, off guard. But eventually, they isolate Phoenix, use quick tags, and beat the shit out of him. And once again, they cut to totally washing in the stands. Um, they go to break... They come back, and Pentagon and Phoenix are now in control. Hardwood uh, flattened Pentagon with a clothesline and sent Phoenix face-first in the turnbuckle to regain control. Lucha Brothers hit a bunch of double-team moves on Wheeler. Um, Hardwood enters the match uh, just to uh, do a spot where both teams catch each other mid-flight with knees to the midsection. Dax catches Pentagon uh, with with a top rope uh, with a suicide dive into a DDT, and then Phoenix does some flips of his own uh dax pulled phoenix's max off and cradled him for the victory love the finish i, I thought that I was great know. it was really good um because of course you know in the lucha libre culture protecting your identity is more important than winning or losing a match the young bucks also did this in escalera de la muerte except i believe that was pentagon's mask they ripped off that time I, I think it was um after the match ftr talked trash with the butcher and the blade but the young bucks snuck up behind them and super kicked them and gave them their keys to their trucks back. And then Kenny Omega came out with a cooler full of beer. Uh, this is my favorite part because I guess, like, for some reason they can't show Miller Light. Yeah, TV. Just, uh, you
0: noticed it too. The Miller Light was crossed out with a marker. But it was so
1: poorly crossed yeah. out. Like, you could clearly tell what it was. Miller
0: Lite's the only thing that spells light
1: with L I T E. But it wasn't like it was scribbled. There's just like a line through it. Yeah. Like, you could still see a lot. That might be enough. Yeah. Honestly, that might be enough for legal operations. I just thought it was funny. It was so omega offers them a beer omega teases drinking the beer but then dax and cash pour theirs on his head and they all look mad and that's the match um i was interested to see if how this match would go like who i was interested to see who would call the match if it would be more of a loo tripler style match or an ftr style match i thought it was a nice hybrid in between in the beginning uh FTR pretty much did all the Lucha Bros spots. They kept up with them, and then eventually FTR slowed it down, and it kind of turned into more of their style of match. I enjoyed it.
0: I did too, and it was a good TV version of this match. This match could be a pay-per-view match any time of the fucking year. Yeah, it was perfect they, for TV. And they, 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 they didn't pull out the stuff, which I, if, I know whether you like this company or not, you have to admit they pull out all the stops all the time. They left some on the table, and I, think, and I think that was great. They could have an absolute classic. And it was a
1: fluke fuck finish, so yeah, they're still I, unsettled business. I
0: think it was a, cla- a great way on TV to, to get into a pay-per-view eventually.
1: So up next, Chris Jericho comes out to cut a promo. I know this is going to get you mad, but I'm going to say this. Chris Jericho is the greatest troll ever because he's yes, getting he's so absolutely. many people upset about he's, this He absolutely promo. is the
0: greatest troll ever. He's a fat troll.
1: So Jericho and the inner circle come out to the ring. Jericho dubs himself the Demo God, and he explains to everybody that while winning in overall viewers is important, what the networks look at in terms of advertising is the eighteen the to forty-nine. Is the eighteen to forty-nine demographic, and he dubbed himself the Demo God. Yes. Um. He said despite advertisers, fans, and management all wanting to see a rematch between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho, he declared Cassidy's career dead and said there will never be a rematch. Cassidy's music interrupts. Uh, Cassidy enters through the stands. He stares all the heels down. He pulls a Dave Batista. He has the thumbs up. He turns the thumbs down. And then Orange Juice spills from the rafters, dousing the inner circle. Um, Suddenly, Ortiz forgot how to walk. And Jericho claimed that the jacket was $7,000 that Orange Cassidy just ruined.
0: Yeah, I wonder where he used that one
1: before. Well, but see, in WWE, it's only $5,000, yeah. so his jackets got more expensive. The demo money. But, uh, very, very true. He is the demo god. I have one problem with this and one problem only. Oh, Wednesday, you had a lot of problems with this. You were, you, were, you were steaming. There was steam coming out those ears. At All Out,
0: or Double or Nothing, I'm sorry. At Double or Nothing, Orange Cassidy did not know how to use a ladder. How did they get up there to put the orange juice in there? Maybe Trent and Chuck did it. We'll find out. We
1: better get to the bottom of it. Probably never will find out. Yeah. Um. I don't mind Jericho talking about ratings because he's using it as a heel, but yet half their fans are gonna cheer that stuff. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah, it was. It's bizarre. It's it was, weird. I, I see what he's trying to do. Yeah,
0: he's just a, just a troll. That's what he's doing. It's the same thought process of getting the clipboard over.
1: Yeah. Um, he's gonna do it just because he can. Well, this week they won overall viewers and the demo, yeah. so good for them. By a lot. Um, so up next, Jurassic Express versus The Elite. Chris Jericho's on commentary during this match where he says he can't. Now he says he can't wait for the rematch of Orange Cassidy. Jericho's the best. He is great. Um, Can't confirm. Jurassic Express cut a promo backstage making fun of Jericho. Jericho spent the whole match complaining about Jurassic Express and calling them shams. He says Luchasaurus is not really 65 million years old. He's just a man in a mask. Um. So we have Jurassic Express taking on the Elite. Uh, Omega pretty much just bullies Marco stunt early. early, And uh, Jim Ross and uh, Chris Jericho point out that you can tell that Omega is not taking Marco stunt seriously because he refuses to take off his t-shirt. Eventually, Omega gets frustrated. He rips the t-shirt off. But um, Jurassic Express takes control and they show Hangman Page watching on from a bar somewhere. The Elite eventually get control with Omega hitting a punch on the opposition. Um, they worked over Jungle Boy, isolated him during the commercial break. Luchasaurus' hot tag uh, starts to come back. Um, Luchasaurus showed his athleticism. He chokeslams Nick, standing moonsault. Omega breaks up the pin. Luchasaurus takes out Omega with a headbutt, but Omega no-sells it and hits consecutive V-triggers and hits a Snapdragon, then does one to Stunt, then, one, then does one to Jungle Boy, um, the trio recovered and hit a move that was referred to as the extinction event to Omega, but the young bucks broke up the pin. Jungle Boy hit a Hurricane Rana from the top rope stunt, followed up with a four fifty splash, almost pinning, uh, getting the win, and then they did the spot that I know some people weren't too thrilled about. Um, so Stunt launched off the shoulders of Luchasaurus onto Matt Jackson, who was standing on the top rope, and hit a Destroyer for a near fall. Omega hit uh, two V-Triggers to Luchasaurus and Stunt, and then the One-Winged Angel to Stunt for the victory. After the match, Omega continued to beat on Stunt, much to the dismay of everybody else in the match. And then he lowered himself into a corner and was cackling like an evil movie villain.
0: Yes, he's turning heel up here, eventually. So, I don't know. I thought this
1: was all right for what it was. It was fine. It was absolutely fine. Nightmare Sisters taking on MJ Jenkins and Kenzie Page. It was a squash. The Nightmare Sisters got the victory. After the match, uh, Dasha introduces Nala Rose. After being questioned on who her new manager is, she introduced Vicky Guerrero. I'd let you take credit for this, but for some reason you thought noted great promo Awesome Kong would be Nala Rose's mouthpiece. Hey, listen! If some, I don't think I let you take. If some extra
0: large handsome man said last week on a podcast that drops Tuesday at noon and at Champions Spot on Twitter, said it
1: was going to be Vicky. I think we should listen to him more. Whatever you say. So main event time: John Moxley taking on Brian Cage. Of course, Cage earned this opportunity to double or nothing, winning the Casino Ladder Match. Um, Moxley came through the crowd, voice cracked there. And the match started with non-stop strikes. Cage uh, established his physical dominance early. Moxley repeatedly damaged the arm that uh, Cage illegitimately injured before signing with AEW. Uh, Moxley set in guardrail against the ring and tried to suplex uh, Cage onto it. But Cage counters and Germaned Moxley right onto it. That looked like it sucked. Uh, we come back from commercial and Cage has a torture rack on Moxley. Um... And then he turned it into a neck breaker. Moxley came back, hit a few roll ups for two counts, and then hard rights to Cage, and then hit him with a power slam. Um, Moxley rallied with some drop kicks and knees to the face, went for the paradigm shift, but Cage avoided it and hit a big knee. Moxley finally hit the paradigm shift, but Cage kicked out. Um, he then puts uh, Cage in an arm bar. Cage powers out and sent Moxley in the corner. He hit a superplex from the apron all the way in the ring, Cesaro style. Uh, he goes to the drill claw but moxley countered it in the arm bar uh cage tries to fight his way out but moxley kept shifting his weight and rolling him back to the center of the ring taz was panicking at ringside trying to figure out what to do before finally throwing in the orange towel to save his rotator cuff even though it meant moxley would get the win and retain the title after the match cage attacks moxley with the ftw championship only for the lights to turn off when they turned back on it was darby island making his return And he beat up Brian Cage with a skateboard, and Moxley and Allen stood tall as Dynamite went off the air. All right. It was all right, at best. So I liked it. Um, I didn't hate it. I love the finish. Uh, It's a way to keep the title on Moxley while still somewhat protecting Cage. But at the same time, it wasn't a fluke either. I thought it was... I wouldn't have booked the match, but if you're going to book the match, I think that's the finish to do. So yeah, I thought AEW is an alright show. It wasn't anything blow away, but it was fine.
0: Yeah, I agree completely.
1: So now NXT also on July fifteenth, twenty twenty, we open with Keith Lee cutting a promo. They show a promo package of stars including Balor, Gargano, and Priest, uh, congratulating Keith Lee, but also saying they want his titles. What do you think of Keith Lee's promos? I think they suck. if If you want my honest opinion,
0: is it? Do you think the whole thing sucks? Or do you just you just can't pair that voice with that person?
1: I just think a guy that looks like him shouldn't be cutting the style of promos he cuts. I agree,
0: and I say the same thing about Luchasaurus.
1: Uh, I, I think that's fair.
0: Like I wish Luchasaurus the crown just roar one time. I think he's roared before. But I feel
1: like, like he roars like, sar- the...
0: sarcastically. He's roared, and then oh, he hits he hits a sixty five million years line. But I don't like I don't like his promos. And then Die Jack came out. He used the word frenemy.
1: Yeah, that was something. <laughs> he used the word frenemy. Um, so they, like you said, Dijakovic came out and they made a match for later for both titles. It was fine. I'm never a fan of Keith Lee's promos, but it was fine. It set up a match for later on, accomplished a goal, whatever. The opening match, Damian Priest versus, his Khan. Grime Cameron Grimes. Um, Cameron Grimes tried to get out of the match early. Uh, he tried to get the win very cheaply, you know, but Damian Priest would not allow it. He hit a bunch of... Kicks and a razor's edge onto the apron, which would like, sucked. Grimes fought back, um but Priest was able to match speed with him. He ducked a dive in Grimes and sent him in the ropes, then hit a bicycle kick and a second rope reckoning for the win. Um Afterwards, he promised that he would come for the winner of Keith Lee and Dijakovic. This match ruled ass.
0: It, this match was great. This, In my opinion, this is my favorite match
1: on both shows. I think that's a kind of fair opinion.
0: I, I thought, I'll tell you what, I was never a fan of Punishment Martinez. I'll tell you what. Oh, turning the king of the hill there. Oh, I'll tell you what, boy. But uh, I was never like, a huge fan of Punishment Martinez. But I think he's, he, since he turned babyface, I think he's great now. And Cameron Grimes is just so different than everybody else that he, he makes it work. He's a, he, he, I like a good goofy heel like that that's not too, too goofy, but he's very, very self-confident. I thought this was great. It did some great shit. The Razor's Edge was nasty. The, the double crossbody spot was incredible. Yeah. I give them all the credit in the world. I think they got something in both these guys.
1: So, up next, Shotzi Blackheart taking on Indy Hartwell. Um, Indy Hartwell took the advantage early, but Blackheart was able to, to get the advantage. Um, she had a centon, but then Robert Stone arrived in a walking boot. Aaliyah pushed Blackheart off the top rope to allow Hartwell to hit a running big boot that sealed the win. Uh, furthers the storyline between Stone and Shotzi. Um, from what I've seen from Indy, she could she could be something in the future. She's still green, but she could develop into something. Um, you know we're getting old when she said she was inspired to wrestle by seeing Sasha and Bayley. We're getting old. Yeah,
0: we are getting old. Um, that, we were adults when that match happened. Yeah.
1: But it was a good win for Indy Hartwell. Nice to see her get a W. I don't think Shotzi is dead in the water by any means. I mean, it was a cheap victory. Aaliyah basically cost her the match. Um Video package showing Legato Del Fantasma drinking and celebrating their Great American Vash victory. They are pissed off at Brizango for mocking the Lucha Libre culture, and they promise to change the perception of Lucha Libre forever. This group keeps growing on me more and more every week. I think they're great. So, up next, we have the NXT and North American champion Keith Lee defending against Dominic Dijakovic. Um, basically a battle of power. They chop and body block each other. But they're respectful the entire time. Keith Lee begins to hit a stride, and they sent on off the second rope. Uh, however, uh, Dijakovic comes back with a massive blockbuster for a near fall. Um, Dijakovic goes, to, uh, goes for another dive, but Lee catches him, gets a big bang catastrophe for the victory. The two men embrace afterwards. The lights go out, Scarlett walked down to the ramp. She dumped the hourglass that Keith Lee smashed about a month ago on the ring. And I guess that's a promise that Cross is coming for the title. And then backstage, Dijakovic was asked about Cross, and he said, well, Cross is very good, but he's not in Keith Lee's league. This offended Cross, who came up and said something. <laughs> I, I didn't understand what the hell he said. I didn't either. I don't know what the fuck he said. I still don't know what he said. Uh, me either. He just said something. But then they brawled into a like back room, and uh, Cross hit a suplex on the concrete, and the match was made for next week. This wasn't a bad match by any means, but this is definitely the worst of all their matches yeah, together. It
0: no, was... I, I that's exactly my take on it. They can't ha- I don't think it's possible for them to have a bad match.
1: Plus, I mean, there was kind of like no build or anything. No, it was just kind of a mid-card kind of match. match. Yeah. And you know what? That's fine.
0: For your, uh, that's fine for, for TV.
1: Up next, Tim Thatcher taking on Denzel Dijonnet. There was a uh, there was a lot of good um, technical wrestling at the beginning. Uh Denzel is a uh, accomplished amateur wrestler, um, but Thatcher quickly took control, hit the half crab and made uh, Denzel tap out. Thatcher continued to uh, have the hold locked in, but then Oni Lorkin sent him running. It was fine. Oni and Oni and Thatcher kicked ass last week, so I'm glad they're continuing it. Thatcher just kicks ass. That's true. I also love how his Titantron says "Thatch as Thatch can" instead of "Catch as Catch can." I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it is phenomenal. Um, and now made event time. The NXT Women's Championship is on the line. Tegan Knox challenges Io Shirai. Um, Tegan Tegan hits a bunch of moves early but cannot sustain the advantage. Um, Shirai works on the chest of Tegan Knox. The challenger finally gets control by dodging a Meteora attempt from uh, Shirai sending her into the steel steps. This allowed Nox uh, This allowed Knox to hit the cannon bore. Uh, big cross body uh, a big crossbody from Knox. A big cane choke slam from Lady Kane for a near fall.
0: She still got had the still got out of the uppercuts.
1: Um, Shirai was able to hit a tiger fent kick into a diving drop kick, but she couldn't capitalize because of the damage done to the knee. Molly, I mean Tegan, hit a Molly go round, but it was only good enough for a near fall. Um, Shir- very well done too Knox went for the shiniest wizard but uh, Shirai was able to counter with a palm strike she hit the moonsault got the victory um, Shirai celebrated on the stage but then Dakota Kai took out the champion to end the night I thought this was a great match Oh, I thought Tegan looked great in defeat I thought Shirai looked great in victory I agree 100% Dakota Kai made her impact afterwards and I guess that's where they're going next so let's hear your MVPs let's hear your MVPs for the evening and uh, the show that you thought won for the week.
0: I, neither show did it for anything for me. So I was going to call it a tie, but I excused myself from the cop-out. Uh, my AEW MVP is Sonny Kiss. I thought he looked very well. He looked very, very good. He came off. Yeah. Uh, my, my NXT MVP is Damian Priest. That motherfucker looks better every single week out of out there and my overall MVP is EO because she's the best I think right now she's the best wrestler in the world wow and for shows I didn't exactly care for either and it might have been just the mood I was in I worked late and it was, but as I rewatched them they, they were both pretty average shows until the main events and I thought EO and Tegan kicked the shit out of Moxley and and uh
1: Cage, so I'm gonna go NXT solely for that reason so my AEW MVP is the Lucha Brothers I've been we've both been especially you, you more so than me we've been critical of their abilities to follow the rules but I thought they didn't really do anything to mind-boggling rule bending no. wise in the match when and, they're good they're fucking and good and they still put on a hell of a performance yeah. against FTR my NXT MVP is hmm uh, I was going to go Priest, but then you went Priest, and I want to go the same one. I'm going to go Robert Stone. He's been, he's been entertaining the past few weeks. I love they got run over by a tank. I love that a plastic tank lightly running over his ankles is enough to put him in a walking boot. Um, he always cracks me up. And my overall MVP, I am also going with EO. Um, that was the best match on either show. Uh, it just edged out Priest and Grimes. I thought those were the two best matches of the evening. I agree. Followed by FTR and Lucha Brothers, also right in that mix. I agree. Um, but And then I
0: would say Cody and Kiss, yeah. and then the main event of AEW. Yeah,
1: I think that's probably fair. Yeah. And you know what? I really like the six-man on AEW, too. That's weird, because now I think about it, there are a lot of matches on both shows I liked, but I'm in the same boat as you, where neither show really blew me away. But I was in the same boat as you. I was actually watching the shows at work, so it could have been... I'm trying to do work and watch the shows at the same time. Maybe I just wasn't in the mood. But going with the same logic as you, I'm also going to go with NXT. I thought EO and Tegan just put them over the edge for, for having the better show. Um, so yeah, that's the War Report. Coming up next, we will talk the horror show at Extreme Rules. Stay tuned. The horror show at Extreme Rules took place July 19th, 2020, in the WWE Performance Center in Orlando, in Orlando Florida. The attendance was zero, real people. Um, so, let's kick it off with the kickoff show match Murphy taking on Kevin Owens. This went 8 minutes and 55 seconds. I thought this was an entertaining match. Um, a good
0: pre show match. Murphy, no build,
1: just the match. Murphy came out firing with knee strikes. Uh, Kevin Owens had a fucking beautiful moonsault. Um, super kick, stunner, one, two, three, Kevin Owens gets a win in just about nine minutes. Fun match, I enjoyed it. Um, nice to see Murphy and Kevin get some time to I'd like to see him get 15 minutes, but that probably won't happen. Um, but I enjoyed this match. So the show opens proper with a tables match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The New Day taking on Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, this is, believe it or not, my favorite match in the show. There were They always fucking deliver, man. There were other matches where the in-ring quality was higher, but the finish brought them down tenfold. I thought this match was entertaining start to finish. I thought the right team went over. Um, I agree completely. So a lot of action in this match, a lot of teasing table spots, as that's the only thing you really could do in a tables match. Uh, The finish eventually came when there were two tables stacked on top of each other. Kofi was going to Hurricane Rana Cesaro through them. But Cesaro was able to hang on with Shin- a little help from Shinsuke. Shinsuke came out of nowhere and kicked Kofi Kingston right in his caved-in chest, and Cesaro p- powered him back up, hit the power bomb through two tables. K- Kofi
0: took a ridiculous bump.
1: Yeah, that was that was scary. And then Cesaro and Nakamura proceeded to have a fantastic celebration afterwards.
0: The right team won, and I tell you what. Talk all the shit on the new day you want. They always are there, and they always fucking deliver. Talk
1: all the shit on Nakamura I yeah. want, but he's now a Royal Rumble winner, two-time NXT champion, Intercontinental champion, two-time United States champion. Made it to WrestleMania. Well, he didn't, but... Yeah. And now SmackDown Tag Team champions. So. Tony, that's
0: not possible. They're burying him.
1: I mean, I'll be the first to admit his WWE run, at least on the main roster, wasn't what it could have been but i the people who act like he's been wasted and he, he should needs to go back to japan and they're not using it like the dudes pretty much held a mid-card title all the time since july of 2018 everybody can't be champion and he's been every champion yeah. except the champion yeah let's not act like he was even the guy in new japan like no. he, was, he was pretty much in the role he's in now always the mid-card champion yes he was mr intercontinental in new japan yes he was but you, those people are right. You probably should have had a run with the big belt, but it didn't get And it still might come. I think that ship sailed, unfortunately. I
0: So do I, but sometimes ships sink. <laughs> That's not good if the ship sinks. I mean, you see him recently, it's going to sink. <laughs> There's a reason he's in
1: those full body suits. That work ethic, man. <laughs> unmatched. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're right there, but... Yeah, I'm, not, I'm right. Not in the way not you'd in the way. Not in the way you'd want it to be unmatched. All
0: hail the Lazy King.
1: He's... He's our favorite on this entire podcast. It's him, Loomis, and Cameron Grimes in the Holy Trinity.
0: And uh, and Kane is the god.
1: Yes, Kane is like, yeah, Kane's the god. Kane's the father. Who's the spirit? Loomis. Yeah, okay. (laughs) You're probably accurate there. So, congrats to Cesaro and Nakamura. Cesaro, now a seven-time tag team champion. Five times with Sheamus, one time with Tyson Kidd, and now one time with Shinsuke Nakamura. There are some good teams I could have feuds with on SmackDown. Them and the Lucha House Party. That'd be a lot of fun. Maybe Miz and Morrison could turn babyface. That'd be a lot of fun. A rematch with the New Day would be a lot of fun.
0: Usos are done, so... Well,
1: till the early 2021.
0: Yeah. But yeah, no, they could have a lot of fun with that. And uh, even if if they get Sammy back. Yeah. Sammy's going to be their manager. Yeah. So. Although God knows when this COVID stuff will be over. Yeah, I know. But up next... Another
1: match that the finish made sense in, which is which is rare on this which sh- is rare on this show. That actually, that's the end of matches where the finish. Well, Drew and Dolph okay. made sense too, but after this, we're about to go on a fucking run. So Bailey with Sasha Banks defeated Nikki Cross with Alexa Bliss for the SmackDown Women's Title. This went twelve minutes and twenty seconds. Prior to the match, Kairu Sane gave a pep talk and stole my heart once again.
0: She's beautiful. Second most perfect person in that team. Let me see your finger, please. I'll put something else in there.
1: Well, I think we already ha- all did that at birth. I guess you're. I, you know what? You're right. All right, Nikki and uh, Nikki and Bailey. Uh, yeah, I thought Nikki looked great in this match. Um, she was a house of fire. She was mocking old school Bailey with the oh the fucking wave inflatable two man wave. Um, she had a mean like spinning suplex on the floor. Uh, she was in total control. She was uh. She looked like she was gonna get the win, when Sasha, was handed Bailey, and I quote, that thing on her hand that says boss. Michael right. Cole with the fucking great explanation, and Corey Graves had to explain that they're brass knuckles, and Sasha used, well Bailey used it, on Nikki, while Alexa and Sasha distracted the ref, and Bailey retained the title. Um, some great subtlety in this match because the whole time at ringside sasha wasn't wearing your tag team title she was wearing bailey's smackdown women's championship so
0: the seeds, man subtle the, the, they said hey we're gonna take all our abilities to book long term and throw it into this one story
1: and i think there was more subtlety in sasha's match but with her turning babyface, which we'll get to later on
0: you know what i know what you're going for and we'll talk about it there
1: up next we were supposed to get mvp versus apollo cruz but apollo cruz it was not there We were told that he did not pass his pre-match physical and was unable to compete. So MVP claimed a victory by forfeit and said he's the new United States champion. This is one of many titles on the show that we don't know who actually holds this title. We don't know if this is official because the commentators made it seem like Apollo is still the champion. Well, he is. What did we name our Tidecast after, Tony? But champion's advantage doesn't mean you can't just not show up and not lose your title. I, I, I guess yes, you can because you can just get counted out. No, like, well, then if people are hurt, why do they gotta get the title? And you just get counted out. I don't know. I don't know. We'll figure out tomorrow. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, you figured out last night. Yes, but tomorrow is the time of we are recording it. Um, so yeah, is MVP US champion? I don't know. I will say the belt's growing on me. I hated it at first, but it's growing on me. And here we go. Oh God. An eye for an eye match. The match can only be won when one competitor extracts an eye of their opponent. That's a real sentence. Seth Rollins taking on Rey Mysterio. This one, 18 minutes and 5 seconds. Um, A certain internet columnist was upset that they were wrestling in this wrestling match. Um, Part of me gets his point, but the other part of me says... What are they gonna do? Just sit in chairs and go after the eyes? Yeah, like you gotta soften your opponent up before yeah, you can extract eyes. Like you gotta an eye. do
0: something. You just can't like just can't just go right to the
1: eye extracting. <laughs> I wish Loomis is in this match. He'd extract some eyes. He would. He would. He's a great butcher. Uh, <laughs> I wish the butcher was in this match too. He would be great as well. Um, but I lo- like in ring action wise, this match ruled. Um, there was some creative use of weaponing... Weapons? Uh, well, what, what, what kind of weapons Rebar, were kendo Rebar. sticks. Uh, Ray broke the kendo stick over his knee and took, like, the sharp point and tried stabbing it in Seth Rollins' eye. Um, they repeatedly went to the step spot that injured Ray's eye in the first place. Um, Ray took a sick bump where, like, Rollins, like, s- threw him across the ring like he's a fucking surfboard, and he splatted the outside onto a table. Um... Ray Mysterio dropped toehold Rollins into the corner of the announce table, which looked brutal. Um, Rollins took some Joe's pen and tried jamming it in Ray's eye. Just there were some gruesome spots in this match. And the finish came when uh, Seth Rollins pushed Ray's eye into the steps like he did before. And somehow this caused Ray's eye to come out instead of go in, which makes no sense from a physics standpoint, but let's just go with it. Um, so the rumors, the big rumors about this match is that there was going to be a CGI eye.
0: Thank God there wasn't.
1: There was not. There was just a fake eye, a fishing lure, a bouncy ball of some kind. Who knows what it actually was, but it was kind of hanging out of Ray's mask. He covered his face up. And then what I thought... See, a lot of people thought the Seth puking was a bad touch. I thought that was a great that, touch. Oh, my God, it's a phenomenal touch. Because, like, if I just attracted someone's eye, I'd probably be pretty grossed out. yeah. I'd probably go barf. And Seth's not full heel. He He's doing the right thing. I, I just want to know if that was shoot barf or work and barf. I don't know. Probably shoot barf. I mean, I I can't barf on command, but maybe you could. I could make myself throw up. Make it. Oh, you don't know that story. Never mind. Okay. Well, see, the people know this story. We are not one of them. So okay, it wouldn't have made, made sense to you. That's phenomenal. Yeah, ask, but ask Ronnie Delisio about that story, he'll tell you.
0: Straight, straight great work by both guys until the finish.
1: Yeah, they did the best they could with a stupid-ass st- uh, stipulation. I almost would have rather this just be an extreme rules match and then th- and then they still did the same finish with Ray's eye getting fucked up. Because, like, I don't know, just having a match built around extracting someone's eye is just weird. It didn't do it for me. But, like you said, I agree that, like, the in-ring work between... This is probably the best... Mysterio's looked in his WWE yeah, run he looked great yeah absolutely he was, great he was just handcuffed by the stupidest sim, uh, stipulation I've seen in quite a while actually that's a lie because we have a swamp fight to talk about later <laughs> but it's up there so we go from this super serious moment to a Bailey promo where <laughs> she had us in the first half she said she's she's sorry that Ray can't see Bailey Doge straps
0: no, she said, Ray, I'm sorry to say this, but you're not having double vision. It's just me, <laughs> Bailey, Ball's dough straps.
1: And then we have Sasha Banks with Bailey taking on Asuka with Kairi Sane. Um, this one, 20 minutes on the dot. Great work. Um, so what I was talking about, the subtle, the subtle baby face tease from Sasha, uh, she hurt her knee at one point, and the ref asked her if she wanted to quit. And she kept saying, I need to win this title. I need to win this title. I need to win. She showed babyface spirit not giving up. And then shit got wacky.
0: Yeah, things got real weird real quick. And it's a shame. This match was really good.
1: This match went from (coughs) being, I won't say a match of the year contender, but a WWE main roster match of the year contender to just full out chicanery in a matter of like two minutes. So I'm trying to even think about how I could describe all
0: this. There was about a million different pinfalls.
1: Yeah. So they start out with a they they did do go for a bunch of pinning combinations, cradle after cradle, meteora, Oscar goes to the Oscar lock, she almost gets jode, just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Then out of nowhere, Bailey throws one of the tag titles in. Then Bailey, then while the ref is distracted, Bailey tries to hit Oscar with the belt, but the ref catches her. So then Kyrie sane comes over and attacks Bailey. And the refs are both of them. So now Sasha has the woman's, woman's tag belt. And she's going to hit Asuka with it. But then the ref sees Sasha with the belt. And the ref says, Sasha, you can't use that belt. And Sasha says, I wasn't going to use that belt. Which is a lie. Very much so. And then Asuka goes for the mist. And Sasha ducks. And the poor referee eats the mist to the face. Um, and then Bailey kabukis. See what I did there? She kabukis Asuka in the back of the head with the women's tag title belt. I thought she was going to throw the ref in, but instead she just took his shirt, and Sasha got on top, and she counted one, she counted two, and she counted three. Fast count and everything. And I don't know what the finish is. I, I don't know who's the champion. I, I'd assume I'd assume that last night it got overturned. Obviously, we were recording this before Raw airs, and this comes out after Raw airs, so like we couldn't tell you for sure, but this was wacky as hell. Kind of the story of the night. Great in ring action marred by just baffling booking decisions and <laughs> awful finishes. This match was really, really good. Also, we should mention in, in the last match, Dominic is the world's worst son because he waited until Ray already lost an eye to come out and help him. He did.
0: He enters, he enters the Cody kind of range.
1: Shitty bait. Well, Cody has an excuse. That, that, that locker room's far away. We're he in the it. performance center here. Dominic has no excuse.
0: That's true. That's very true.
1: So yeah, that that, that Banks and uh, Asuka match was great. It's just, I don't know what the fuck was up with that finish.
0: Yeah, I, I don't understand why they did it.
1: I guess with record low ratings on Raw, they want people to tune in and see what the finish was. But I think it just pissed more people off than got people curious. I think it did too. We'll see. By the time this episode comes out, we'll know, we'll know what the rating was and we'll see if it worked or not. But I don't know. Up next... Dolph Ziggler taking on Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship in a match where Dolph Ziggler is allowed to pick the stipulation. And so Dolph Ziggler, he kept it simple. He picked an Extreme Rules match for him. It was Extreme Rules for Dolph Ziggler only. And had Drew McIntyre gotten disqualified or counted out, Dolph Ziggler would have won the WWE Championship. Uh, This match went 15 minutes and 25 seconds. I enjoyed the in-ring action in this one as well. I love the spot when uh, when McIntyre had Ziggler up for a vertical suplex, and the table was there, and he looked at the table, and he knew if he put Ziggler through it, he'd be disqualified. So he just turned and suplexed Ziggler the other way. I thought that was great. It was good. Um, Drew's reverse Alabama slam always looks good. Dolph hit a famous off the announce table. That looked pretty cool. He hit an elbow from like 50,000 feet in the air. Got some crazy hang time on that elbow through the table. Um, so the finish came when he was going for a super kick. But McIntyre nipped up and damn near hit the Claymore in one motion. It yeah, was wild.
0: It was a great finish. This match was good. It made sense. for Because Dolph's always been a little asshole. Yeah. It made sense for Dolph to put it this way. Dolph fought. He even screamed a few times that he couldn't beat Drew. Drew looked really good, as he usually does. Drew comes out better in this than he was before, I think. This is the match that made the most sense all night, other than the tag, that's the tag match. That's a low praise. Yeah. Uh, thought it was good. Uh, the psychology behind this match was just phenomenal. Um. So bring on Randall. Bring on Randall.
1: And that's probably where his title reign's going to end, unfortunately. Probably. You know what? I've heard, it. I heard the rumor. Yeah. From our sources. And probably it's going to be Randy and Edge feud and when Edge gets back for the title, and Edge will probably get his big moment. Yep. Which, whatever, I'm okay with it. That's fine,
0: I I think he needs a title. It
1: just sucks that if what the rumors are are true, Drew's entire reign will be in front of no fans because we never really got the chance to see what kind of champion he could be. Um, I don't think this will be his only time with the big gold, though. I think he'll find his way back there. But, I don't know, maybe the rumors are all wrong and he'll be champion until 2021. Who knows? Maybe. So, main event time. Bray Wyatt taking on Braun Strowman in a Wyatt Swamp match. There's no time listed for this match. There's no winner listed for this match. So I guess I'll just kind of try and describe what happened. So Bray Wyatt's sitting in a rocking chair. Braun Strowman pulled up in a Ford Raptor. Braun Strowman beat up some geeks that were just geeks. Then Braun Strowman got hit in the back with a shovel. Who did he get hit by? Braun Strowman. It was Wyatt family Braun Strowman beating up like, th- I don't know how they did it, because they're two different sizes. I want to say maybe they just took... Like, remember when the Wyatts and the New Day had that compound brawl? Yeah. Maybe they just spliced in footage from that to I, this. I.
0: It has to be, because, like... Because it, it wasn't brawn. It, it was it was that brawn. It was, like, big, fat
1: braun. And he had, like, the facial hair yeah. and everything. Like, yeah. So I'm thinking they just spliced in old footage, perhaps. Possibly. I mean, it was edited really well. Yeah. Um, Then... Braun is chained to a chair, and Bray brings in a snake to bite him. And then Braun is hallucinating. He beats up some more geeks. For some reason, an unmasked geek is there. He gets beat up and thrown into fire. And he is set on fire and runs into the woods. And this startles Braun, for whatever reason. And he laughs. He does laugh. He laughed a lot. Then Sister Alexa Bliss shows up, playing off their history in the Mixed Match Challenge. Team Little Big. He says that... She says, I should say that he knows that she that he always wanted her, and they could be together. all you got to do is follow her. then Bray attacks from behind a boat pulls up. Braun goes to the boat. no Bray gets in the boat first,
0: and then goes away, and then the boat the empty boat shows up to braun that that is fair,
1: and then there was gators. there were gators, but they didn't really do anything. No, they were just there. I well, guess, Thank God. I guess you can't really have working gators. No, you
0: can't have working. I mean, you know who shouldn't get to vote for president? Gators? Well, yes, but you know who get who shouldn't get to vote for president? The People th- that willingly like open a fucking gator's smoke and stick their goddamn head in it's it. It's Like Zizi from Tough Enough. Yes, exactly. Like Zizi from Tough Enough. Um, but a hey, regardless, that's just me and my personal work against alligators. But yeah, the, the gators did nothing, and then Bron and Bray kind of tussled in the water like me, like you're you with your, your, your friends when you're twelve years old. And then Braun drowned, and the fiend emerged. No, oh, yeah, Th- that is what happened. The universal champion is dead. <laughs> Ding dong! Who is the champion?
1: I get it. Ding dong's. I know. Not only is the witch dead, but the Stroman Express is off the tracks. Thank God. Fuck that shirt. Fuck that entrance. He has like all the steam and like it's so weird. He has like an intro video now where a legitimate train is rolling through. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what happened here. I don't know what happened. I don't know who won this match. I'll tell you who lost this match. All of us watching. Yes, it was terrible. We are the losers.
0: Please, please the WWE
1: Cinematic Universe has jumped the shark, and we're gonna get one at SummerSlam because we've gotten one every pay per view since the pandemic started. Yes, and
0: and one, the one with the ninjas isn't the worst one. Oh, it's close.
1: It's close. It's just for that one. Yeah, it's really close. But I this one might be worse because the camera cuts were giving me migraines. The camera cuts were awful. Yeah, they were bad. I don't, Kevin know, I don't Dunn, know how it took them eight hours to film. Kevin Dunn was having a field day with oh, this. Oh, he
0: loved it. But that was Extreme Rules.
1: Grading time on a scale of F to A+. What do you give Extreme Rules?
0: C-. minus.
1: That's my exact rating. Because I
0: think, I think D's too raw, too harsh. The people involved worked too hard for me to give it a D. Because the in ring was good and and it wasn't really bad, I mean, it's hard to give anything good when in, in the times of COVID, because you have to do all these ridiculous things that to make you separate yourself.
1: I don't know. I watched a pretty good Impact pay per view Saturday night. That's true. You know, you know what, you know why? Because it was just wrestling. There weren't swamp fights. There weren't eye extractions. It was just wrestling, yes. Some matches had stipulations, but they weren't stipulations so outlandish that they insult my intelligence. Yeah,
0: I just think the people worked too hard for me to give it anything lower than a C-. There were parts of it I liked, and I didn't hate all that much of it. But yeah, C-. How about yourself?
1: I will also go C-. Like I said, like the, the in-ring bell-to-bell work was, was good. Um, it's just the booking and the finishes that were awful, and that's not the performer's fault. No, it isn't. They just kind of got to do what they're told, and I thought they made the best out of it, but it wasn't good by any stretch. I think C- is a fair grade. Yeah. So that is the horror show at Extreme Rules. When we come back, Mike will tell you where to find everybody, and we will get out of your hair. We
0: thank you again for hosting the Deathsport of Champions Advantage. We are blessed to come and have listeners like you, as we do every Tuesday, Uh, and we just hope to continue our love for wrestling together. But speaking of everybody else... You have to follow us at Champions Pod on Twitter. We're funny, we promise, and our show's release Tuesday at noon anywhere you find podcasts, except Argentina. But I think we're there too. On Monday at Kill at Kuda underscore Junior, our great friend Gil has his CBS Baltimore radio show. If you're in that area, and later in the week his show is up fully. He's a great guy. He's a, he knows his things, and he's got a, a voice of an angel. Speaking of voices of an angels, Chris is on Wednesday, and he has the bearded wrestling podcast, and he is the number one impact guy in the world. He was watching it before it was cool. And, and also make sure you follow Ron and Linz at Ron underscore Musto underscore Junior at Linz Be Honest X and follow the entire network at TT4U. That's TT, the number four, TT underscore, the number four letter. The, U.
1: Number yeah. four
0: letter U. Yes, and there's no underscore, is there? No, TT underscore. TT underscore. You're struggling here, For you. Yes. Yes, sorry. I apologize for that. It is late and we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Toodles.